face just how dark of a place humanity has come to. And, and to, to do, do so, so means that the certain influences in the world must be acknowledged. Hello, this is Chris Jansen of the End Evil podcast. I'm here um, with a special guest today, Rob Smith, and we're going to discuss the subject of the lies that we tell ourselves. I recently put together a little presentation called Dishonest Storytelling, and um, me and Rob are going to get into some more of the specifics of how lying affects us on an individual basis. Um, Rob's a really special guest. I wanted to bring him in because uh, he and I have had some really good discussions recently. We got to spend some time together because um, in, the, in the recent glass fire near Santa Rosa, um, his house burned and he lost everything. And so he had some free time and we spent a couple days, you know, just hanging out and talking and he's got a lot of good stuff to say. And so um, he was kind enough to spend some time with me today and um, share his thoughts. So how are how you doing there, Rob? Yeah, despite despite everything, I'm doing really well, and uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you as a friend. I wanted to mention, you know, meeting you, Chris. Like you, you brought hope back into my life. Uh, I was realizing not until after I met you that I lost a little hope. You know, with this knowledge that we obtain, it it's, it takes a toll on you. And then when you're searching the world and you see no one like you, uh, that's what happened to me. And I started losing hope. There was, I felt like no one understood truth. I was surrounded by people who didn't understand what I was speaking or doing. And I was getting a little lost, honestly. So when I met you, actually, you were this hope. And I was like, oh my God, there is hope. And you rekindled this fire under me, if you will. And uh, so I've been working on some things. Again, I lost everything in the fire. So I'm, you know, redoing everything and starting from scratch. But here I am and here we are. And uh, we, you know, we both individually found this knowledge on our own and we're coming together to share it to, well, anyone who will listen. So that's, yep. that, that's yeah. awesome, man. Thank you. Appreciate you saying that. And, you know, you, you've given me a lot of hope too and the other people we've met in our natural law group. And so hopefully we can kind of share that and maybe some other people take some hope, you know, that listen to this. That's the idea. And, um, you know, listen, if, if Rob you know, he's coming from a place of losing everything right now. And he's still out here trying to, trying to spread truth. So um, that's a good message to other folks out there to do the same, you know. And so um, to get into the subject, um, there's so many lies in our culture. And, and I've been thinking a lot about this since COVID started, because you see just how blatant lies are in the public. And you, I just can't help keep asking myself, like, why are people not understanding that uh, a lot of this stuff is a lie? You know, why, why don't they see the lies? They're so blatant. And so it forces you to really, forces me anyway, to really question um, why. And, and what, keep, what I keep coming back to is it has a lot to do with people being used to lies and being accustomed to lies that start at a very young age. So is that something um, you could talk a little bit about um, how lies start when we're young, Rob? Yeah, I think before we, we even go into that, sometimes there's little caveats that we have to speak to people that, you know, before they even hear truth, you have to speak some smaller truths or, you know, some caveats before. A lot of us have this cognitive dissonance that's programmed into us from the schooling, from our parents, from our past beliefs, from our cultures, from the religious beliefs we have. And those all like make us who we are. And the stuff that we speak, a lot of times the truth, truth is belligerent, comes out belligerent, comes like a sword, it splits families apart, it's friends. So the things that we speak affect people really deeply. And we're gonna start off with some small things, but as we go along, the stuff we speak really starts pulling some feelings up inside. So I guess I ask before I speak usually, I ask that people sit with this knowledge first before they automatically dismiss it. And it, 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 these feelings that come up like are gonna be like, sometimes they're, they're really dramatic. For me, when I went through this, I was doing it all myself and it, and it can be really traumatizing. It could be uh, really disruptive to your life in many different ways because you have to change your whole life around if, if you're gonna follow this path. And so 
it's pretty damaging to our ego and and uh, everyone around us. It, it pushes people away, uh, just speaking truth. So, you know, again, truth is belligerent. It's going to come out against all of our beliefs, all our false beliefs. So I ask people just to just keep that in mind as we speak and as you hear things, just to to hold on to them, not instantly dismiss them and think them over. And that's called respect, think twice. So that's that's what I ask before I speak. So I guess, you know, these stories that we tell ourselves, there's there's all kinds, there's, there's those stories that we play in our head, like how I'm not good enough or, uh, you know, I can't do this or I'm never gonna have enough knowledge to figure that out or that's too hard. We have stories about other people that we tell ourselves we uh, that make up who they are. We have stories of the judgments we have of them, the experiences we have with them, those kind of stories we play in our, in our minds while we're talking to these people. And these stories that we tell ourselves basically judge them for who they are in a sense or, or block us from actually seeing who they really are. And then there's other stories we tell ourselves but you know, all these stories, the small ones, they're small stories. And then the stories get deeper and deeper where they actually affect people around us and they even get deeper and deeper where they actually enslave people. So again, our job's like, well, our job is to find these stories and where they come from and, and even who put them there and then, and then cut them off, change them, get rid of them if, they're, if they don't need to be there. Some of these stories you can't change, so you have to rewrite them in your mind. Uh, to make them where they're comfortable for you to move forward in life. So saying all that, like there's some small stories that I've been recently telling myself, like this, the small stuff of, uh, I do procrastination with little things. I have a very busy life, four kids, a dog, two cats. So I have a story of procrastination. Usually like I'm going to do the dishes right now, or I'm going to, you know, if I have the dishes that need to be done, um, the story that goes in my head is I will I'll do them later. I'm too tired or I'm going to go play with the kids. In the back of my mind, my mind's saying, if I don't do these right now, they're never going to get done. And so usually I pick I'm too tired or some other thing like I'm going to go play with the kids and they never get done. And I do that with fill in the blank right now. So I do that quite a bit. And there's other stories too that we tell ourselves like um, when it comes to people, our experiences with them, or I'm gonna use the one with my kids. So, cause with people have different perspectives and this is where you can point out to people how our stories are different. So I, I step on my kid's toy sometimes at night when I'm going to the bathroom. And if I get hurt, I do get upset. And so I, when they wake up, I tell them, you know, like, you guys always leave your toys out and I'm stepping on them a lot. And so I, I get quite upset sometimes. But when my wife has a different story, she says that they do a really good job picking up their toys and sometimes they leave them out. And so, you know, sometimes we get attached to something that happened to us, the pain or whatever, and, and we tell us tell ourselves a different story. And ever and someone else could have a completely different story about the same incident. You know, those are some small stories on a small level, but those are the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, we can and, go much and the little things are the big things in life, right? Like, you know, it starts with little things that happen every moment. And that's really what compiles all the big moments, you know, and so lots of little lies all day long add up to, you know, a lot of falseness, right? Yes, they do. And, you know, we can, we can even go, we can jump into like, where these, these stories come from, like, so I guess our jobs as individuals is to figure them out, right? And we have to sit with ourselves. That's the way that I found to do it. So we sit with ourselves and figure out where they come from. It seems to I me think that that's the difficult part for a lot of folks, from my, my opinion, that, you know, just that, that that process needs to happen. You know, I think in a lot of cases, it's hard for people to even recognize that they are telling themselves lies because we've all been doing it for so long in so many ways. There's a lot of lies in society. Like I pointed out in dishonest storytelling, from the time kids are born, we start telling them lies like Santa Claus and Easter Bunny and stuff like that, you know, stuff that's really blatant lies and we act like it's fun or something, you know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Why don't you get some more into some of the other lies that are, you know, affecting us? I think those ones are some of the most important ones, actually. I think the ones that we teach our kids right off the bat because we're programming very young. And if we program very young, 
to do those what we call white lies and they grow up thinking it's okay to lie i mean we literally are teaching them that and those lies like you said build up on more lives and more lies and then we create moral relativism in the world through the starting of those lives of santa claus and the easter bunny and so those are actually very important starting points and i guess you could go further backward well we're not going to go too far back this these can go you know deep but the stories that we tell ourselves even before we have our kids i mean those affect our kids we're not going to go into that topic but it's important to know that our thoughts before we we make love and, and produce a baby was it an accident did we intentionally have a baby? And you hear a lot of talk. I'm not going to go into this, but this is where it really starts. And so of parents, you know, it was, oh, it was an accident or, you know, we were just having fun or, you know, whatever comment they say. And those 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 stories are really important that we play in our head before we even have the kids. And then when they come along, we tell them those other white lies. And, and it builds upon there. And then it goes into... Uh, well, moral relativism, right? That's what we're seeing right now in the world. No one knows the difference between right and wrong. We teach our kids these Big white time. lies. Yeah. And who we are. And, and the thing about uh, it was striking me, what you're saying there is that one lie always gives birth to another lie. You know, it, it just starts with one little tiny one, but then you have to tell another lie to cover up that lie and another lie to cover up that lie. And pretty soon you lose track of what what's lies you know unless like you're saying you you start becoming really conscious you know yeah. uh, how, how old were you do you think when you started being conscious of some of the lies around you and I, I was actually very young I've had a really traumatic past and I felt like I could see things that other people couldn't see very young I could see the world for what it really was even though I couldn't find it in books or anything like that I just saw it with my eyes I saw how people treated people. You know, I was abused. I was tortured, abandoned, and um, raped. And so I seen right off the bat how how screwed up the world was. And so I had a different mindset of how people really were. And I believe that's what's allowed me on this path. You know, I don't believe that we're meant here to suffer. I actually have come to the realization that suffering is a choice, and it's actually selfish. Every thought that I've ever come to in my mind when it comes to uh, you know, suffering for me personally, it's been selfish and self-pity. And, and if we're truly unity consciousness, and if we're ever going to get there, my suffering inside of my mind playing victim role is never going to help anyone out. And so when I've digressed all these things and all these stories from my past, I've come to realize again, that they're pretty much illusionary. Like I don't have to attach to any of that stuff. And, and, that's the work that we all have to do right now. I, I believe that the, everyone's feeling abandonment issues. You know, one parent or another is at work or both now. The kids are in school separate from their parents, you know, even crying for their parents. And, and the parents can't do anything about it. And we're all in this, you know, deep, just, it's non-love, you know, state of society. Not only so, that, but the, you know, communities that, that probably would have existed that, existed in um, cultures before the type of society we live in, where you would have had a lot more family around extended family, other community members and interacting with all these people. And more and more our society has broken that down and fragmented that to where yeah, like kids are just spending a lot of time alone with what a TV, a video, you know, a non human computer it is how's that going to be good for their psyche, you know, and I hear you talking a lot about trauma, you know, like you experienced the trauma, some really bad things happened to you as a child. And a lot of us have experienced various levels of trauma. Sounds like yours were kind of extreme, but the suffering part there, you're like, what do you choose to do with that trauma? Do you use it to accelerate you into action and do something about it and try to stop it or stop it from happening to other people? Or do you choose to suffer? and keep telling yourself lies and, and self uh, destroying yourself in a way. So I guess to me, that would be the next subject I'd ask you about to get into how, um, you know, how lies actually destroy us and how they take away from good and how they become evil. You know, why are they evil? What is it evil about lies? I guess the evil part about lies would, would be the part that we're lying to ourselves, And I believe that like, stories wouldn't exist if we're just speaking truth so you wouldn't have to remember anything 
so the part of lies like it's um the uh the lies that we tell ourselves are like not only do they affect us they're they're affecting everyone i really believe though the 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 main issue of this is people forgot who we are we forgot why we're here on this planet and they don't realize that unity consciousness is real that when one person suffers we all suffer and if people could deeply deeply understand that then the rest of this information would be a lot easier to accept so yeah that's a good point and i i just want to interject and i'm going to let you keep going but what i want to interject is just an easy way to actually see this and feel this in real life is spend some time with a good friend or family member who you're used to being around on a day when they're in a really bad mood and they're feeling like crap and tell me it doesn't affect you. You know, we, we've all felt that. So yeah, yeah, go ahead with that. Yeah. Those, those negative things, those people that, that you feel like suck the life out of you, or even sometimes people are going through a traumatic event and, and even that can suck, you know, some things that you're trying to be there for them, but they're not seeing things. And so in a sense, like, especially if someone's really attached to it and they never kind of fix themselves, they're, they're always in that same issue and, and have never sat and figured it out. And those types of incidents can, can suck the life out of people. You know, so when we lie to ourselves, we're, we're definitely not just affecting ourselves. We're, we're sucking the energy out of other people around us, you know? And sometimes we're putting people into slavery over it. So these go really deep and they really do affect other people. You know, when one suffers, we all suffer. So it's important for us not to suffer and figure out what that means. And again, the only way we can do that is sitting with ourselves, by ourselves. And I have found when you sit by yourself and you're analyzing your past events or a situation or a conversation you had with someone, your ego is now removed from it. At least I've realized that. I feel like when I'm in person with someone or talking, even, even in this conversation, somehow our ego's involved. And so when we're sitting with ourselves, the ego's removed. We're taking the care. We're taking that time to, to focus on you know, ourselves and look at our past events or conversations and figure out you know, where our ego is at, what, what were we portraying, what, what lie were we telling ourselves when we were speaking to that person, or what lie were we telling ourselves when we went through the situation. And when we take the time to look back, back at it with a different level of consciousness, we, we see it a different way. We see the truth in it. If we take the time to look at these things, we can see the truth in them. And the truth is simple. We're not here to suffer. You know, you can, these questions you could ask yourselves are like, am I here to work 40 hours a week? Am I here to suffer? Or am I here to help people? Am I here, you know, definitely like, you know, like killing and is, is killing and, and killing babies why we're here and going to war? Or is it to love people? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves, you know? Like, what is it? And, and I've come again to realize it's definitely not to suffer. And people are definitely not, not supposed to suffer. And I think that people need to spend time with themselves, you know, go in a room and turn up, you know, whatever it is, but just spend time with themselves. Some people go to nature. Some people write and contemplate their thoughts and their past. But these are the fears that we have. And, and a lot of the new age movement stuff out there and religious beliefs, keep people from ever looking into it, that ever looking into the fears. Don't look into the fears, that's negative. If someone's talking about something that comes off as negative or fear-like, just avoid it. And so a lot of people are actually avoiding this type of work right now. And, and it seems like they're being programmed not to ever look at it. So not only is our task to like show people they're being programmed not to look at it, but to also guide them through and how to you know, and that's why we're here, I guess. That's our job that we chose to do. We have a moral obligation when we see truth. It's our job to, to see it, speak it, live it, and then, you know, try to speak it into existence. And yeah. our, our society just, um, it really is, there's so many distractions in the modern age. And I've noticed um, a lot of people, what they tend to do is just fill up all their time with things and you know that doesn't leave a lot of space for what you're describing that that time to self con contemplate and reanalyze 
And um, it probably has a lot to do with why a lot of folks have trouble going to sleep because the first time in the day you lay there still and your brain wants to work through all these problems. Truth on its own, it's like its own, it's its own monster. It want, It's not going to be uh, put down. It's not going to be hidden away. It's going to keep finding a way to push itself out and pop up. And if you keep trying to ignore it, it's going to keep popping up its head and um, it's going to create, you're going to, people are going to, we're all going to have problems if we don't spend that time and figure out those lies and how they're affecting it. Um, I made a cu couple little lists. I was thinking about the di some of the different lies, um, sure. lies that bind us, lies that enslave us, lies that fool us, and lies that hurt others. You know, there's just so many different types. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest ones that that is really causing the suffering that you're describing is is happening at a very young age which is basically destroying your value and you hear you know i remember even seeing my kids struggle with this sometimes saying like oh i can't do this i'm not good enough you know and i don't even know if that's a natural thing that happens or how early the um you know societal trend of lying started creeping in and getting that in their head but there is a tendency I see people do it like when they're trying to start something new. Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And it's devaluing the self, you know, and so it's up to us as the parents or in our own mind, our own parent to say, you know what, it seems hard and scary and there's some fear there, but I'm going to try anyway. You know, I think I can, you know, I loved the book as a kid with the little train and said, I think I can, I think I can. And that was a great moral. And, and that heads more towards truth. The only things you do in this life are things where you put out effort and you you try, you know. And so, uh, how do we how do we give ourselves that encouragement and give it to others? Is I guess the tricky part to get that part past that part of devaluing ourselves that leads to, you know, just telling these stories to get by. Sure. For for me, I I went in the past and I had to rewrite all the stories. For I'm just going to use rape as an example. When I when I'm in my mind and I. And I, I just thought about how this person did this to me. And, and I blamed him for years. This, this person did this to me. It just made me feel so bad and poor me. And I mean, you know, but then when I went in my mind and I realized that like, I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. Like this person was suffering and, you know, whatever they were going through, I don't have to take that on. Like they did some evil act to me, but other than like, and then I, you know, I don't have to, I wasn't that person. And so I didn't have to take on their feelings or how they wanted to make me feel. A lot of times we're suffering inside and we just project it back on the universe, but we don't have to take that projection on. And so when I'm sitting there and I realize that I'm not this person and I didn't do those things and I was so young. And, and the other thing was, is that I, I, for this was, you know, years of analyzing this, I realized that it was self-pity and, and selfish for me to just sit there and suffer. I couldn't help anybody with that. And so I just moved past it. And, and realize that I don't want to be like that. I'm not that. And I don't have any work to do on that. So I'm just not going to suffer about it. So it was blaming too. I realized I was blaming everyone around me. I was blaming these people for doing these things to me. And while I was in that victim role, I wasn't able to be productive anyway. I wasn't helping anyone. I wasn't capable of helping anyone. So I saw where all my blame lies and just pointing the finger always and never had the chance to look at myself. And so after in my mind realizing I was blaming everyone around me for everything that ever happened to me, it just seemed so petty and so like, how could I let these people affect me? Like that I'm letting them control my whole life for years later and, and they're controlling me still. And, and, you know, things people said to me that if I let them in, they're controlling me. And so, when I analyzed all these things, I realized that everything outside of me was controlling me and I had no control over myself at all. And I didn't like that. In my mind, I didn't like that. So I instantly found ways in my mind to just get rid of that stuff. I didn't want anyone controlling me, any, any government, any person with their words that they're saying to me. And I definitely didn't want my past to affect me anymore as a person so that I can move forward and help other people out. And so when you're in your mind and you're figuring those things out about blaming everyone and playing that victim role, it's a, it's a scary place to be and, and, and it's a good place to sit and, and, and analyze all that stuff and get through it.
because it's a lot of great things coming, you know, from analyzing our past and seeing how, how we blame everybody for everything, you know, and play that victim role in our mind. That's a really good point too, that um, you talked about where like you had to go back into that trauma for a minute to deal yeah. with it. Right. Like, and that's the scary part that the reason why someone would tend to just keep telling them a self, a story like, Oh, I'll never, I'm having a hard time in life or I keep, going back to this addiction I have because I was wounded at a young age, I, I went through this trauma. So they're just going to continue telling that story over and over and over without actually doing the hard work that you did of saying, you know what, I'm going to just take a minute and re-experience this terrible thing I went to. Cause you kind of do when you think about something, when you go back to a memory, that's the scary part in a way you re-experience it as you're thinking about it. But if you do that hard work and face your fear, then you can go right through it and just be like when and when you looked at it you're like yeah it happened but wait a second i didn't cause it it's not my fault and that's the victim mentality that that always says oh um somehow it's because why did they do it to me you know there must be something wrong with me you know and i've i've heard that in that that, that people say that people that are traumatized and i've heard it in little ways in, in my own self too and then it becomes a handy excuse to get away with the behavior that keeps you sort of comfortable or sedated. And what that comfort is, is keeping us away from dealing with that trauma. But I like what your answer is. You got to go into that trauma. You got to re-experience it alone by yourself and get to the bottom of it and answer the question to yourself. Is there anything wrong with me? No, it wasn't my fault. This other person had the problem and then you're free from it. So that's freedom from lies and freedom is like our big deal. What we're all about. That's a, that's a pretty awesome lesson. I uh, appreciate I appreciate that. Um, some of the other lies I thought I hear people thinking and saying, or I even hear in my own head or like, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Um, I'm not good enough. I already talked about that one or I don't have the right skills. First, I need to get some money. There's, you know, there's people that know so much more than me. Uh, I'm just one person, you know, I'll do it when I'm feeling like I'm ready. You know, I don't have enough time to do it. And so these are all some of the excuses and, and lies we tell ourselves to keep us from achieving the things that we know we should be doing. So anything you could say about, about that? I call those justifications, right? We, which is literally turning a wrong into a right. We justify to ourselves, which is lying to ourselves, you know, turning a wrong into a right, these things. And so we have to be really careful with that we all do these on a scale. Our life's very busy. We're in, <clears throat> excuse me, we're in a left brain world, meaning we're constantly going and going and going. We have to work around here and, and to pay it's the rent's really high. We're all physically going all the time with very little time for ourselves. And you know, on the, the right hemisphere of the world, with the Buddhist star and, and the Hindus, they they actually may, you know, spend too much time with themselves. Uh, some people would say. So even myself, I would say that they spend too much time in their right in their their mind, and we spend too much time doing physical things. And there's got to be some balance in between these, you know, these worlds. So I don't know where I was going with that, but we're... that's okay. Um, one of, one of my thoughts is, um, you know, I'm not. Um, I grew up in Christianity. And uh, I've rejected it for the most part, the, the religion part of it, but the core fundamental principles, I'm still all in. And um, there's certain parts of the Bible I really like. And one of them that really stuck with me was from the book of John. And in the very beginning, it said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And to me, that little saying right there says a lot about what we are and what truth is. Um, we're something that's been created, you know, we're part of this creation, amazing creation, we have this amazing ability to have this body and move it around. And our truth is what we speak. And that's kind of what we become, what we speak, right. And so a simple way to describe is what I'm trying to say is that if we tell lies, we become less of a person, almost like a shadow of a person. And it's easy to see that when you, for instance, make a date to hang out with somebody and say, hey, I'm going to meet you at such and such a place at such and such a time. And that person shows up there and you're not there. 
right? And you didn't tell them why. All of a sudden to them, like you don't exist. You're not even real. So it's kind of like how in the, the biblical thing says, the word is the reality of what is. So if you don't stick to your word, you become less real. So I'm curious your thoughts on that idea. I, I struggle with that. So I, I would say it's, it's a, we, we, we are um, judged by our actions, right? Not by our words. So like if our word, if we, we, we say we're going to be there and we're not, that's our action. You know, that's, that's how we're going to be judged. So it's very important to live by our word and be impeccable with our word as much as we can. For me, that's very difficult right now. I have four kids in a, in a busy life. So I give people like eight, between eight and eight thirty-ish, you know. And and sometimes I'm not even able to go to events. Something comes up with my kids, and I don't even get to go anymore. So I don't get to be super impeccable with my word anymore, and it, it does affect me, and it takes a toll on me. I I feel like I have a moral obligation to share this truth in the world, but the time for me to do it is very limited. So being impeccable with my word right now is very difficult with my busy life. So I I do know how important that is. And that's all we go by is the actions. We have our word and then acting upon that word. And that's who we become. That becomes that becomes us. Whatever we say and do, eventually that's we keep doing that. That's who we become. So it's very important to, to keep that word up. Otherwise, you said, like, we're not there. We're nothing. So it's very important to show up. Suit up, show up. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's another thing too. like, if you can't make it to something and you let someone know, you know, like, Hey, I'm not going to make it, you know, you don't, you don't lose anything by that. You know, that's, that's normal. You know, it's when we say something and then we we're totally not in alignment with it. You know, when you, you get to know somebody is a good example where you're like, um, when I talk to this person, there's something that doesn't align. Like they say one thing, but they do another thing. Right. And so you, you, you did say that. And that, I think that's a good point. It's really the alignment of the word and the action, you know, that, that makes it real. Yes. They have to come together and yeah. You know, like everything we do matters. And you, you touched on this early on, you know, in the beginning that all the little things throughout the day, you know, so uh, I guess, a good place we could go from here is like giving some people advice. You, you mentioned one of the things is to reflect on the lies, you know? Um, another way I think is to start really seeing and pointing out where they come from. And I think one of the really obvious ones is the media. You know, there's, um, I've heard some really people, uh, good speakers talk on like um, the programming that comes through the television, for instance like the princess programming. I used to like a uh, Freeman TV um, talk about that where, you know, people watch these Disney shows, for instance, kids do, and a lot of adults encourage it. And it sets up this false ideas, these false storylines in our head um, of like this, I'm going to be this princess in a castle, you know, I'm going to be this hero and I'm going to find this perfect, uh, you know, my true love, and everything's going to work out like the movies. And somehow we allow ourselves to start actually believing these stories and then get really disappointed when things don't really work out that way. Have you noticed that in, in your life or people around you? I've definitely noticed it in people around me. I've never really been attached to, because of my past, I've, I had a hard time uh, loving and even being attached to the TV or even football teams or feeling a part of anything. And so I, I didn't get attached to that kind of stuff the same way other people, but I definitely see it in other people. And I could see, I could see my kids watch princess stuff every once in a while. And it, instantly they get attached to whatever they're trying to put out there. I guess for me, I went before all of the TV, the, the person who invented TV wouldn't let his kids watch it. And so these things are important to know, like who invented the TV and why, you know, what is the TV? Where did it come from? Is it MK Ultra? Is it, you know, where like finding out like who made the TV, not just the, the TV programs. That's why they call them programs because they're programming us in some form or tell a vision. Somebody's telling a vision. It's not us, but somebody's telling it to us through the programming, right? And it's important not only to figure out where these programs are coming from or not to watch them at all and to find out why the TV was made in the first place. That's kind of where I went with it. And this is literally MK Ultra, 
all of us have some form of MK Ultra mind control in us without us realizing it simply because we watch TV. And so the, the TV itself is a, literally a hypnosis box. You know, it puts us in a, I believe, an alpha state of mind and allows us to accept anything or knowledge without even realizing it. So it's a hypnosis box. So it's a very dangerous thing to have in your room and you just have to be very careful about how you use it. Yeah, it's, it's a weapon for sure. Um, I've noticed in my life, you know, like one of the things that really hooked me in was like the hero programming, because I was real into cartoons and these characters, you know, it's like He-Man and the GoBots and the Transformers and, and, um, and, and there's, you know, and there's one thing I want to point out too, like in themselves, like stories and storytelling could be a really good thing if it was used like for instance, telling stories around the campfire, the elders, and it's clear that these stories they're telling are meant to be allegorical or to teach a lesson as opposed to a story that's being told as the truth, you know? And, and we do know in theory that these stories that are on the TV box and stuff are not supposed to be true, but they're so, um, the way they're broadcast and the visuals are so strong that I don't think our subconscious knows the difference sometimes in the back of our mind. And it just sort of settles in there. And, and it just, like you said, it's programmed like a computer. We're just like a, a sponge for information. And so our computer, our computer as a child, it likes these stories because they, they're, they're, they're fun, you know, and I, and I, so I had this story of me being this hero. And then when you realize in life that you're not really living up to this, you know, like the pictures I saw on these shows, it's disappointing. And then that leads to, um, you know, like devaluing yourself or thinking you're not as good as you should be or something like that. And it, you know, it adds up. So for me, I, I pretty much quit watching TV and just got into only taking in information that is um, educational or I'm learning something. If I'm not learning something from it, I'm not really into watching it just for the sake of watching. You know, because that's when the state of mind when you're just very impressionable, if you're just sitting there soaking in something without analyzing it and asking yourself, where am I going to put this? How am I going to use it? Your brain's computer will, will put it somewhere if you don't choose, you know? Definitely. I, I had the same experience. I, I, I have watched TV and I have watched TV programs, but definitely nowhere near as, as much as normal people. And I actually... I'm a person for some reason, I haven't fully answered the question, but I've, for most of my life, watched a lot of documentaries. I actually just put list of documentaries I wanted to watch and I would watch them. And I didn't really have any consciousness level back then. So I didn't fully understand what all of them were saying. But now as I woke up more and more and more to more knowledge, you know, a lot of those documentaries are starting to make sense. I, I watch things over now, the documentaries. I watch even other information over again because I take in it again and even a deeper level so i even read books over um, my consciousness level changes and I, i'm able to t take things in deeper so it's kind of my thing and it's it's i've never really watched tv all that much i did get attached to a few programs watched them all the way through and that was it you know so the tv wasn't my, my big thing that's good well that's you know that's a good therapy uh, method for maybe someone who's listening if you have been you know, if someone has been trapped in watching this stuff, start replacing it with informational and documentary things. Because when you're listening to other people's point of view or like reading a book, for instance, there is a, um, you can, it's hard to do that without questioning your beliefs or your own thoughts and saying, is this really what I think? You know? So um, I guess a big part of it is becoming conscious. That's, that's a theme I, I keep hearing coming up here while we're talking, you know, becoming conscious of, the stories that are you're telling and recognizing that that is happening you know and then in the bigger picture there's the stories that are told all around us that are lies like you know the the big one of the biggest ones that that we need to go along with authority and that they're right they know something we don't know and where does that come from you know that's, you know, that's a good story i you know whew. you know there's a couple of stories i believe that play a huge role and i'd call it his story or history. Mm, good one. So we, we all go to school and, and we learn 
his story or history. And so whoever conquered the lands before our times wrote his story or history, and we read it and listen to it without ever questioning it or realizing it. And unfortunately, we've been systematically, you know, programmed into a Soviet communist-based education system without ever realizing it. You know, did anybody ever realize where our school came from and research that? You know, stuff like that. And and just that alone, from from going to school, from from our parents going to school, and the generations of school being programmed, you know, from Karl Marxism's communism's books, like. This, this is where we're at. And so a lot of that comes from, from our schooling. There's a great book, I guess we should mention, which is the, the deliberate dumbing down of America. And if people read that book, they can see that we were systematically programmed to be basically socialist, or, which turns into communism, you know, through schooling. And there's a, as a government worker who used to work in the Megan administration and then she wrote a book explaining how they're dumbing down America and it's logical if you could just pull up 100 years ago or even 50 years ago when people spoke so elo eloquently and now we're, we have Ebonics so you could see a definitely decline and, and definitely something going on even if you aren't researching it, you could just logically see that we're, we're definitely being dumbed down and so these these our schooling plays a huge role in, in, you know, in these stories that are told to us, they're, they're actually, you know, huge. They're, they go back thousands of years. These stories have been going on for a long time and they, and they've been found out before too, and then forgotten. And here we are again, you know, the age of enlightenment, the truth is, is out there. Uh, a lot of people don't want to hear it because it's about, it's the opposite of what they're doing. And, our task is to try to share that. And I want to say to people that, you know, this stuff comes off like we're some superior moral beings and we know all this knowledge, you know, and, and we're not here to like judge people. We were, we were there not that long ago. We had these same beliefs, you know, it's just this journey. It's a spiritual journey. It's why we're all here. We're here to seek truth and apply it into our lives and, and, and to do what's right and be righteous and to learn the difference between right and wrong. You know, and finding out where these stories came from or where our schooling came from is very important. It's very important to find out, you know, whatever job you're doing, whether it's a doctor, you know, where did where did medicine come from? You know, did it come from Nazi Germany? You know, is it is all the stuff MK Ultra, Project Paperclip, you know, Project Monarch? I mean, you know, where do these vaccines come from? You know, like all this this so-called medicine, modern medicine. We already had ancient medicine. Why is the modern medicine basically a replica of, of you know, God's given plants? You know, and, and finding out where this stuff came from and why we're using it. Is it really medicine or is it mind control? You know? And so, yeah, schooling and, and people can't admit that we're in a, a Soviet-based, communist-based education system. It's a, it's a lie that, that, that someone would have to admit they're wrong and to admit that they've been fooled and bamboozled and tricked their entire life. And so there's a lot of factors in, in accepting these kind of truths too. It's a lot of internal work. It's a lot of admitting that you're wrong and that you've been fooled. And those are really hard, really difficult to get over. Yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to question, you know, the fundamental core principles, you know, like um, I think of it sometimes and like, cause of, cause I'm a builder like building a house, like imagine if you started off the house with instead of like a good, strong concrete um, foundation, you just started with some rocks, some round roundish rocks even, and you kind of piled them all wobbly. And then you started framing on top of that and you get halfway through the framing and the whole house is just all crooked and leaning to one side. It's because the foundation was, you know, it was no good. You know, and that's what happens with this thing you're describing, this history thing. It's being portrayed, the whole structure of school is portraying these things as if they're absolute truth. And they're not interjecting that important part of, before we tell you anything, first we're gonna teach you how to question everything for yourself, yeah. which should be the yeah. first lesson, is like anything we tell you, and that's to anybody listening to any of my podcasts or anything I say, anything I say, question for yourself, you know?
even if I'm calling it hardcore truth, I know that I have a gnosis within myself that I know what truth is, as I've discovered it. But you have to discover that for yourself. Each person does. And it's not truth unless it is discoverable within oneself. And, and that's the lesson that they skip right over in school and they start presenting all this information as if it's God's truth. And I feel like I spent from 20 to the age now deconstructing all that crap they told me one by one. Stuff that's like slap in the face bullshit lies like Columbus, you know, who discovered this country. And you're like, this guy was a, you know, you learn about him. And this guy was one of the worst human beings you can learn about. He did terrible things. He's not someone to be revered or give a special day for, you know? And so like everything about it, the way they taught us stuff from school was backwards in that way, you know? I guess there's a quote I, I like to tell people when I'm talking about this type of information and it's, it's not, I don't have it written in front of me, so it's not gonna come out perfectly. But what it is, is that there was a CIA director who uh, not right now, but the previous one or the previous one before that. And he had a quote that said something like when when 97% of what people believe is false, then we have done our job. And so people really need to question like what the CIA is and what they're doing and what their job is. And 97% of what they believe is wrong, we, what we believe is wrong, like that's a lot of information. And so it's an important quote to figure out, understand and, and figure out what the heck is going on in this world. You know. I'll find that quote and um, you know, post it with this with this episode because that is a good one, and yeah. um, they sure have done a good job of that, haven't they? Yes, you know they, they've uh, they've tricked us. You know, yeah. I, I found the other place that this comes from not only our schooling, our uh, Soviet-based schooling, or our communist-based, I'll call it communist social-based schooling, is uh. The, the somebody, you know, the Flavians in the Bible. Now, I, I love the Bible. It's got a lot of great quotes. And if people lived by the Bible, actually, the, the teachings, they would be great people and the world would be great. But um, there's one skewed part in the Bible that, that plays a huge role in, in the lies that we tell ourselves. And that's when in King James had the Bible rewritten, you know, back in Rome, to, or, yeah, in Rome. And, you know, people were waking up. They were called Gnostics back then, which to means they, to know. They, they were waking and they, they understood this knowledge. They understood that no one had authority over them. No one could tell them what to do. No one ruled over them. And they were sharing this knowledge. And so they had to rewrite the, the, the book, The Greatest Story Ever Told, they call it, right? And which is the Bible, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And they put in there, in the part in Romans where it says, pay Caesar what Caesars do. I'm not going to quote it perfectly. It's not in front of me. I don't memorize quotes that well, but it's where they entered, you know, uh, uh, something like, you know, pay Caesar what Caesars do. You know, it comes to that. It's just the point. That's where they entered where a lot of religious people, Christians believe that we have to pay uh, the government, Caesars, the government, their, their part. And that entraps us that, that that's serving two masters and they don't realize it, um, the government and God at the same time. And it's a conflicting thing. And it's the thing that actually has to go, that illusion of authority. And so I think that in the Bible, that's one of the most, you know, biggest lies that are in the Bible, the biggest stories that were told and put in there, inserted in there. And um, people believe that. And so not only with our schooling and in the, in the, in in our Bible there, that two parts play a huge role in, in of who we've become as a society and our beliefs and in, in authority. We yeah, and, and look at look at laws, right? Like the whole idea of these man-made laws is that if I write something down with this pen or with this typewriter or, or this computer, that makes it more real. And just because people have typed things up and written them down, that doesn't make them real. It doesn't make them any more real or not. It doesn't make something true just because you keep repeating it and you can put it on a thousand different platforms. That doesn't make it any more true. <laughs> but people are really struggling with that because the repetition thing, and you touched on hypnosis earlier, we do a form of self-hypnosis. And the two major factors that I've talked about in my work is focus of attention and repetition. When you combine those two things, that's that's what hypnosis is. And so 
we're being hypnotized with this repetition over and over telling us that, oh, these laws are what's right and you have to follow them. And we keep focusing and letting our attention go with that and letting it be repeated in our skull. We start to believe it as truth when it's not. And, and accepting a lie as truth is very dangerous because it just opens the door, like we said, for more and more and more lies, you know? So um, I'd like to hear you, because I know you're a, uh, not a rule follower, uh, excellent rebel. I appreciate your energy that way. So why don't you talk a little bit about how laws, the lies of laws? Well, yeah, I guess, you know, it, uh, some people would say that just by studying words and where they came from, you could figure out the illusions that way. And I have two, not deeply, but I have studied a lot of the words and where they came from, like law. The, these illusion, these words should get people through the illusions by themselves. The word law means immutable. It means it can't be changed. It doesn't waver from a pin on a piece of paper to, you know, to different states, to different borders, to different countries. Law, law literally is immutable. Natural law, natural means, you know, not man-made. And it talks about natural law, I believe in the, no, is it the uh, Bill of Rights or is it in the, um, they write about it. Okay, in the natural law, when they first wrote the founding fathers, they're talking about inherent uh, truths, not man-made laws. Yes. You know, self-evident, mm -hmm. inherent. Self-evident, inherent, yes. Inherent. These are the words they use. Those are important words. Those obviously are not understood now. So again, the word law means immutable. So man-made laws cannot be law. It just, even with their own definition of the word law, it's, 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 by a stroke of a pen so a lot of people are actually listening to a pen you know literally it's like this pen is writing the authority an author of rights that's what authority means is the author of rights they're writing your rights for you and so people who believe in government believe in somebody writing their rights for them and it's it's totally illogical i can't believe people believe that still in, in this in this century allowing someone to rule over them have the right to rule over someone else and to subject people, you know, 51% can rape the 49, you know, the illusion of choice. And people obviously not understanding where rights come from, what a right is, what a wrong is. It's pretty crazy that we're actually talking about this stuff and that we have to even explain what a right is. And it really trips me out in my mind. I see government like this, the word government when broken down gubernari in Latin literally means to steer the mind or to control the mind or mind control, you know? And so when I hear people say they like government and they like, uh, they like paying their taxes, you know, a hundred years ago, people, not even that long ago, people were like, you know, tax on the tea, let's 3% tax on the tea, let's go to war. And here we are not that far, not too much later. And people love to pay taxes. What yeah, usury was a dirty word back then, right? what the heck happened it trips me out okay so it's not logical so i hear people say they love government they love paying taxes what i hear them say is they love mind control because that's what it means and they love paying taxes which is literally slavery so they love their slavery and they love mind control and so i have a hard time talking to people about these things because um, i've literally recreated my mind to see things differently than they do so it does get frustrating when people don't want to take this knowledge and don't want to even look up a word or read a book. It can get frustrating, you know? Well, Never it's easier. It's easier to live in Storyland, right? I mean, Storyland, everything works out great. <laughs> or so goes the story. <laughs> What's sad is that all these people want all these things. And what they really don't know is that if we did get rid of government, mind control, slavery, we could all have anything that we ever imagined. Anything. If people wanted mansions all the way to the sky, they could have it. If they wanted flying around vehicles, they could have it. Anything they wanted, as long as it's not harming someone, you know, we could have these things. And and people don't realize that. They their imaginations and their critical thinking that you brought up earlier have been systematically removed from them through indoctrination. I'm not going to call it school, it's through indoctrination. So it's really hard for people to see their critical skill, critical thinking skills have been removed because they don't have critical thinking. So it's a difficult task to explain to people. Uh, yeah, I'll say. To have critical you know, thinking you're, when it's been removed. You're reminding me of one of the biggest struggles I have um, in talking to people about um, you know the problems in our world, and I think 
I like to liken it to um, alcoholism where uh, alcoholism, you know, like you tend to keep someone who's stuck in alcoholism, they just tend to keep repeating this pattern, right? And that's kind of like our society with the lies, right? Instead of the alcohol, it's the lies. We keep going back and back and through this trauma of repeating these lies and living, living in them. And until we recognize that that's what we're doing, it's pretty hard to get out of it. And like a lot of times I'm trying to point out to someone who I'm talking to, like, no, we need to be honest. We need to admit the problem is really bad. You know, the situation is extreme. And I feel like people are starting to see that. But what I still get back from people so often is I don't want to believe that. And I don't want to believe that the whole world is controlled by evil. And I'm saying it doesn't matter if you want to believe it. You know, that's not really what it's about. I don't want to believe it either, but I don't. It, it's a matter of knowing what really is. It's not a question of stopping and deciding what you want to believe. You know, that doesn't get you anywhere. You know, you can want to believe you're rich, but if you don't have the money, you're not. <laughs> it's that simple. So it's getting back to truth, right? Yeah, I think that when we were, I mentioned earlier, where people I feel like are programmed to avoid the negative. So if you say anything that's really traumatic or negative, it, it, it affects them. They just can't handle it. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to change everything. They don't want to think, see it exists. You know? I really bumped up against that in, in the Christian church. And that was one of the things that repelled me from the church was how willing people are in those sort of situations. Like when you're in the church setting, they want to all think, oh, we're really good. And that's one of the biggest lies. I'm good. You know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm living a good life. These are good people all around me. But sometimes the reality is not the case. And um, in the church I was in, for instance, I find out years later that one of the head deacons of our church, who was a major contributor financially, you know, in on all the meetings, was raping his own children. Oh you know, and that happens a lot in churches. And the reason is because there's not enough people in there that are willing to call each other out and be really honest and blatantly honest. Like, I think something's wrong here. Something doesn't smell right. There's no place in a church to accuse one another of wrongdoing, you know, because it's all under this pretense of we're all good. Be just, just because of the fact you showed up, you're automatically good. No, you're not. If you don't do good things, you know, if we don't test each other and, and um, hold each other accountable, then we're not good. You know, we're doing bad things. And that doesn't mean we're not valuable as beings. It means that we're making ourselves less valuable by you know, uh, cutting away at what's real. Yeah. I've, I've found when I was, you know, studying them, I have friends, my best friends, a Christian that goes to church. So I found that like trying to talk to these people about those things that when you believe in an outside authority, even if it's an invisible guy in the sky, that's coming to save you. What happens is it, even though like half of them know that God's inside of them at the same time, they hold this belief that someone's coming to save them in that belief that someone's coming to save them, it's it's not themselves. And so they never do any work or they do do work. They, a lot of Christians are pretty awake people, but it's just never all the way because someone's coming to save them. The, it's all, the work's already done, they say. Don't worry, God's already working in the world. He's already here. It's already, this is the God's plan. This is supposed to happen. It, you know, don't worry, it's, it's all working out. This is what they tell you. This is what they tell you right now. I actually spent an hour watching a sermon the other day just to see where Christians were at. And I didn't get one bit of knowledge from it at all, like zero, nothing that I could actually use in my mind or in a physical world or any way at all. And I, I was pretty saddened by it. Like no skills, no life skills was just a bunch of, um, Bunch kind of, of patting themselves on the back, right? Yeah, and, and, and I didn't see anything valuable, zero. And usually I, I can get something out of it, something. There was nothing. It just it baffled me. It was a bunch of woo-woo, wah-wah with a woo-woo, wah-wah for the answer. Right. Like, big, the, if we use these big words that sound good, uh, you know, and we say them really loud, they, they must be good, right? <laughs> it, it was really scary. I'm really scared that people even think they can understand this stuff or like nothing's being said but people like it i'm i'm really tripped out by it so it's we're we're in a weird place man i'll so. say yeah 
Well, we're um, in our conversation here. We've talked for about an hour here. So why don't you give us, you know, just kind of some closing thoughts, kind of sum up well, what we've we talked about. We didn't, we didn't really get over any of the skills of how to get rid of these things. And I don't know if that's in another cast or what, because, you know, half of my talk, I guess, is, is about the skills to get rid of these things. And there's a few things that I've applied in my mind that I'll share. One of them is, I don't know who did the research on this, but it's not that old, I believe it's from the 40s and 50s. And it's the playing the victim role in your mind or the prosecutor or the world savior. And when we are talking to people, um, we try to make sure we're not victimizing them, you know, uh, or we're playing the victim role, like me, or prosecute him. Prosecuting would be like, I'm, you, were, you were late and now I'm gonna be late. And you start, you know, you prosecute them and then you put some, them in a victim role and then they start prosecuting you back because they're hurting. And it's just like this, this hamster wheel of, you know, playing victim and prosecutor. And then it's important not to play the world savior role. And I don't know too much about that because I sometimes feel like I'm playing that right now. But for me, it's just say to those other two forms because that's the forms I go into a lot. And um, I also applied in my mind a couple of things we got from psychology and psychotherapy, you know, there's, there's two things and they call it redemption and contamination. So those are like the two things when we're talking about our past or these things that we're trying to fix in our mind or our beliefs. And so you can either um, let it contaminate you and everyone around you. That's what a contamination is in your mind. And then it contaminates other people, or you can go back in your past and your beliefs in, in your conversations with people and redeem yourself, you know, and, and fix them and then fix your future self. Right. And so those are important. So, and I put everything in my mind in a love and fear category. And the reason I do that is because fear is an illusion or a lack of knowledge. And so in my mind, I separate things like, you know, redemption would be in the love category and contamination obviously would be in the fear category. And I would place these things in my mind and whatever comes up, you know, suffering that that would go in a fear category and I have to figure out why, because everything in the fear side literally is, 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 uh, an illusion. So this would be the law of polarity. You know, a lot of people think that hot and cold are actually opposites, but when we further think about them, they're, they're on the same scale, they're, they're energy, they're water. So, so not only are they perceived opposites, but actually they're really the same thing. They're just on a different scale. You know, it's still energy and one's just hotter or warmer or the cold is the absence of heat. So, you know, with love and fear, love is the only thing that exists. And fear is, like I said, a lack of knowledge or an understanding. And so our job is if we're in fear over anything um, is to find out what that, that knowledge is so that we can get back into the love category. And um, those are things that I've been trying to wire my brain with in the processes and the ways that I think. And so I just simply uh, been developing a love and fear category in my brain. And I think that works very well for me. And uh, it's very simple. Um, and these things just have to be applied. So when we apply like the victim role and the, and the prosecutor, making sure when we're talking to people that we're not victimizing, that we're not coming in there and saying, you know, bad things to them to, to, to uh, did I say victim? It's important, I'm sorry. It's important for us to not play victim role um, when people say things to us or from our past events or uh, just anything, the victim role where we're blaming someone else and we're never. Oh, right. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do that or I'm not going to be able to get better at this skill because I was abused or because I have this problem, you know, that's yeah. holding us back. Right. A lie that, a lie that binds us, a lie that enslaves us, you know, a lie that puts us in a jail. We put ourselves in our own little jails, you know? So yeah, that's, great points and and whenever you see those fears that's time to face them right that's yeah. a sign that that's don't, something that needs to be dealt with don't run away from them yes you have to, you so have to go through it to get here, to here's what i would like to suggest rob because i feel like you got a lot more to say and um we could continue this conversation and do this whole thing one more time and make a part two we can try. We can we can look at that and see if, if it is. I think I just wanted to go more into to the mind of, of how people can actually just, you know, realize that suffering's an illusion. And I think we we did pretty well though and covered it. I, I think we did pretty good, Chris. Okay. I think I, I, think right. I touched on a lot of subjects and I think the knowledge just uh just needs to be taken in and, and hopefully people can sit with it and and see the truth in it.
so that we so they don't have to suffer so we don't have to see them suffer so we don't have to suffer and so the world can be you know the garden of eden so yeah well, um, I love your thoughts and all the things you shared. You know, you always get me to thinking um, when we have a conversation. So I think other people will get a lot out of what's been said here, too. So and I'm going to go ahead and close up for now. And, um, we'll, you know, we'll listen back to it and we'll see what, what other ideas it sparks. And if that brings on another um, continuation of this subject, or maybe we'll just get on to the next one next time we talk. But um, I really appreciate you taking this time to um, have this discussion with me. And I want to put a little advertisement out to people to check out the link that I'm going to put along with this podcast there. Um, you can have an opportunity to um, contribute some funds to um, Rob's family. He's got four kids, dog, cat, and they're all um, displaced from the fire. They have nothing. You know, they lost everything in the fire and being a uh, anarchist he's not taking help from the government so he needs help from other anarchists and people that that care um you know here rob's taking some of his personal time to try to help you and so why don't you take a little time and um, make a little donation to his family i would really appreciate that it's something i'm trying to help organize and i'm going to add that link to this podcast and um so that that'd be a good way to give back and um hopefully this helps other people out so Thanks a lot for coming, Rob. And um, this is endevil.life is my website. I ask people to go check that out. A lot of more good information there. And um, thanks again, Rob. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Chris. We'll talk right. soon, buddy.